You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. It's an awesome privilege to be standing here this morning. I don't take this lightly. Honestly, I wanted to start asking God, why me, why me, why me? And it's why not you, why not you, why not you? Praise the Lord. The Bible says that no one is sufficient unto these things. No one can claim that they have attained in any way. But we thank God for his grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this morning, um, we're looking at um, the remnant, and we'll read some scriptures. We'll start from Romans 11, verse 5. Okay, let me read from verse 4. I'll read 4 to 5. It says, but what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Okay, let's also read 1 Kings 19, 18 saying the same thing it says yet i have reserved seven thousand in israel all whose knees have not bowed to baal and every mouth that has not kissed him this is elijah the lord you know speaking to elijah after elijah the lord asked elijah what he was doing and he said i alone am left and they have killed all your prophets And God began to speak to him, and God tells him that he has reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. Praise the Lord. Now let's read Isaiah chapter 1, and from verse 1 to 10, it's a long one, so we'll try to read fast. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens... And give ear, O earth. Let's read together. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. I'm not hearing your voices. I need to hear it. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. Eight. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts, let's read this one very well. Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Thank God we're not the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. So I want us to look at the definition of remnant in the context of the Bible. You know, when we're in secondary school, I think some schools, when you eat and the leftover, they used to call it remi, remnant. But in the context of, in the context of scriptures, it's different. So in Christian theology, it says a small minority of people who will remain faithful to God and so be saved, in brackets, in allusion to biblical prophecies concerning Israel. Okay? It says, if anyone ceases to be a witness, he ceases to be one of the remnant. Should I read that again? 
a small minority of people who will remain faithful to God and so be saved. If anyone ceases to be a witness, he ceases to be one of the remnants. Praise the Lord. See, um, God loves everyone that he created. We know that from scripture that it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay? So God loves his creation. However, it's not every creation of God that is a remnant. So I don't want us to get confused, but we want to, you know, I believe if God gave them this um, theme, God wants us to come into, um, I wanted to say son, remnantship. <laughs> God wants us to come into this. God wants us to become remnant, okay? The remnant, praise the Lord. Now you could also call them, you know, God's witnesses or survivors. Because he's saying, he says that there is small minority. There are not many. And anywhere the Bible mentions remnant, if you read through, you will realize that something had taken place. Either there had been a destruction due to maybe the people's um, disobedience, and then God decided to wipe out maybe a whole nation like Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, and remember Abraham went and was asking God, this thing you want to do, if you find 50 righteous, would you still destroy? If you find 40, will you? And then he kept going until he got to 10 and stopped. Like our dad would say, he didn't imagine that there would not be up to 10 righteous men and women in Sodom and Gomorrah. So when God could not find, God only found Noah and his family. Even Noah's sons-in-law, they refused. They thought he was joking. So when Noah was telling them, look, God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, they didn't listen. So I believe God has a purpose for giving these young people this theme, particularly in the times that we are you know, in. Everything going wrong, even the church not understanding her place in the scheme of things. Praise the Lord. So in as much as I want us to continue with the joy and the fun, but necessity is laid upon me to share the word of God as I received it from him. Praise the Lord. Because I don't want to stand here and say everybody is a remnant. Only God knows who they are. Praise the Lord, somebody. Because when Elijah thought he was the only one, and he said, I alone am left. And God began to tell Elijah that I have reserved 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to Baal. And so the question is, how come Elijah did not know these 7,000 men or men and women? When I say men, it's generic because it's men and women. So don't think it's only men. Praise the Lord. How come Elijah did not know them? Have you ever considered that? Elijah was a man of God, but he did not know this 7,000 and he thought he was the only one. Can somebody help me? You know, I used to think Elijah was so full of himself that he thought he was the only one righteous. But that, that was not the case. He didn't know them because they were planted in different places. They were not in one location. Praise the Lord, somebody. Is it making sense to you now? They were not in one location. If they were in a location, he would have been able to identify that he was not the only prophet who was still standing for Christ. God had scattered, had scattered them all over, as we will see from scripture. Praise the Lord. So, the remnant... There are a small number of people who have refused to go the way of the crowd, the general way. If everybody is going in this direction and it is not the right direction, you will see that one person that will turn and face the right direction. The Bible says that wide is the gate that leads to what? Destruction. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. And how many people find it? Church, please, are we together this morning? Am I bringing down your spirit? This is the word of God. Praise the Lord. Only few find it. So if it's only few people that find it, then everybody in the world that is a Christian cannot even really be a remnant. Praise the Lord. But we're trusting the Lord that we will become, all of us, in the name of Jesus Christ. So the remnant, they are God's consideration for salvation, for redemption, for restoration. So if God wants to save a people, God would, if God wants to destroy, and he sees that there are one or two who are doing the right thing, 
because of those ones who are standing for him, God will usually, you know, change his mind. So that was why Abraham was able to stand and tell God, shall the judge of the whole earth not do right? If you find these people, will you still destroy? And God said, no, if there are 50, I will not. If there are 40, I won't. 30, 25, 20, 15. And Abraham stopped at 10. Praise the Lord. We're going somewhere. So God will never leave himself without a witness. Are we, are, do we know that? God will never leave himself without a witness. So every time there's a problem and his children disobey him, there will always be one man that is standing. So this morning, I want us to look at, I have seven um, of them, seven marks of the remnant. We may not be able to, you know, look at all seven. We'll see how the Holy Spirit, you know, um, leads us. But one thing that we should all know about them is that they have not bowed their knees to Baal. In other words, they do not succumb to anything that does not glorify God. In modern English or in modern times, they don't succumb to anything that does not bring God glory. That's what sets them apart. And it's not by their power, it's by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. And we said earlier that they are not in one location. They are scattered everywhere. You will find them in the church, for sure. You find them in the schools. You find them in your place of work. You find them in your business. They are scattered everywhere. You know, um, my family was one of my sisters that gave her life, you know, who first gave her life to Christ. And I know that she began to intercede for the rest of us. Now, in my family, we're about, we have three pastors, if I'm correct, and we're ten. Almost everyone, maybe apart from two or three. So out of ten, about seven of us are saved. Not because um, of anything that we did, but I believe because one of my sisters got born again early and she kept interceding for the rest of us. So you will find the remnant planted in different places. And they're the ones that God will use to save their families. So we better understand what this call is about. Praise the Lord. So let me run quickly. There are a few things that set them apart. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. The first thing I want to say, 1 Kings chapter 17, we'll try to read fast. Okay, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Okay, one is, is what I need go back to one and elijah the tishbite of the inhabitants of gilead he said to ahab so the question is before elijah came to ahab where was he because if you read verse 16 it doesn't tell you where elijah is coming from but we now understand from the part b he said as the lord god of israel lives before whom i stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word so Elijah came from nowhere, but he came from somewhere. He came from the presence of God. That's where Elijah came from. And because he came from the presence of God, he had the boldness, the authority, the audacity to stand before Ahab and declare that there will not be rain except at his word. So the first mark of the remnant is that they are men and women of God's presence. They love his presence. They are men and women of prayer. Praise the Lord. You know, whenever we mention prayer, everybody, that's one weakness I have. Oh, I don't like to pray. But in James chapter 5, I believe verse 17, it begins to tell us that this Elijah that we read about and we always talk about, it's a man of like passions. He has the same frailties that you and I have. The same weaknesses. There's nothing special about, about Elijah. Elias was a man. No, please give me new King James. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And what did he do? He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. So he was trying to tell us, if you read other um, modern um, translations, you will see that Elijah was just a man. So when I look at it, what I say to myself is that Elijah didn't have two heads. Neither did he have four legs. He didn't have four hands. It's just a human being like me with head, two hands, two legs, two, you know, two feet and all of that. There was really nothing special about Elijah. The only thing special about him was that the presence of God was his natural habitat. 
That was his dwelling place. So because of that, God could commit different things to him. He had power with God because he loved the presence of God. And when we look at um, um, someone like Daniel as well. In Daniel, I believe chapter that, four or five. Remember when they ganged up against Daniel? Because they saw, they were trying to bring him down and they could not. And they saw that the only way to bring Daniel down was to make a decree, for the king to make a decree that no one should pray to any other God apart from their God. And Daniel heard that. He said nothing to them. Went to his house, opened his window, went on his knees and faced Jerusalem. Even though he was a slave in Babylon. I mean, he knew where he came from. And then he prayed. When you take a fish out of water, what will happen? The fish will die. Daniel understood that his everything about him was from the presence of God. So if he did not pray to God, he was as good as dead. So there was really no point. Him saying he will not. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if a place is your natural habitat, that's where you dwell. That's all you know. That's where your power comes from. No matter the attack, no matter the threat, you will always find yourself there. And his presence is the place of power. It's a place where you learn how to stand as a remnant in the time that we're in. Otherwise, your message will change. If you don't know how to stay with God, your message will change. You know, before I used to wonder what made, sorry, pastor, I'll talk about you a bit. I used to wonder what made pastor, you know, I I look at him and tell him, you're strong. Until I found out the secret that when you spend time with God, strength comes. The Bible says he strengthens us with might through his spirit in the inner man. So when you've received validation from the Lord, every other thing anybody's saying is, do you understand? It means nothing to you because heaven has already endorsed you so no wonder he's always running you know into god's presence because therein lies power without that hunger and thirst for him you can't do anything in this life so people like elijah understood it he says before whom i stand meaning that's where i live that's where i am i'm always there So if I tell you the Lord said, that means the Lord said. If I declare thus said the Lord, that means the Lord actually said it. Praise the Lord. So they're men of prayer. So God is calling us, the remnant, those who want to be part of it, to prayer. Because that's where the power is. Prayer is simply telling God that, look, Father, I can't do it on my own. He says his strength is made perfect in what? In our weakness. So when you go to him, like Apostle Paul kept going, he said, take away this infirmity. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. And then Paul realized and said, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest mightily upon me. Praise the Lord. That is what happens when you dwell in his presence. And that's where God is calling us to. Another thing about them, another mark. We said the first one is that they are men of prayer. Okay, who dwell in the presence of God. Number two is that they don't play to the gallery. I want us to look at what happened. Let's read the scripture because it's important to read the scripture. First Kings chapter 22 from 17 to 23. Or maybe we'll just read 20 to 23 and then we'll see. And the Lord said, who will, okay, let me tell you the story up to this point. So Jehoshaphat, Ahab went to King Jehoshaphat and Ahab said he wanted to go to war against, um, um, I believe, I'm not sure, maybe Syria or so. And he asked Jehoshaphat, who was also a king, to help him. And Jehoshaphat asked him that, are there no prophets that we would ask, let's be sure of this battle that we want to engage in. And he said, oh, there are prophets. And then he gathered them and said, okay, prophesy, are we going to, is God going to give us victory? And they all told him, go, the Lord will give you victory. You know, go. And then Jehoshaphat, being a man of God, a man of the spirit, said, are these the only ones? You don't have any other, any other prophet. And he said, there's one, Micaiah, who never speaks anything good to me. He never speaks anything good concerning me. He would say something different from what every other person is saying. Remnants, are you listening? Because sometimes you will stand alone. 
Praise the Lord. So let's read. He says, and the Lord said, so this was Micaiah. Micaiah, when they called Micaiah, the guy that went to call Micaiah said, everybody's telling him that all is well. Just go and come back. And Micaiah said, please tell him. He was telling Micaiah, tell him the same thing. Just tell him what he wants to hear. And then the guy said, whatever the Lord tells me, I will say. But he now went and just looked at him and said, no, go. You You will win the battle and you come back. Ahab looked at him and said, have I not told you to, not to lie to me? Because he knew that the way he said it, that's not it. So he now told him that if he goes, he will die. He will die in battle. And in verse 20, he was telling him how it happened, how the other people lied, the other prophets lied. That God wanted to destroy Ahab. Remember the Bible says that Ahab was in fact, he, he made Israel sin. Of all the kings that Israel had had, Ahab, sorry, was the worst because his wife Jezebel engineered him to commit sin against the Lord. And young people, it matters who you marry. Praise the Lord. It really matters who you marry. Some people can break you. They can make you or break you, your partner. And it could be the man, it could be the woman. Praise the Lord. So, and then the lying spirit came and said, ah, are we going to enter the mouth of the prophets and lie to King Ahab? And that was what happened. That's why all of them told him, prophesied lies to him. And he believed because he sounded good in his ear. But then Micaiah stood and told him. So, and the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this month in this manner and another spoke in that manner then a spirit came forward and stood before the lord and said i will persuade him the lord said to him in what way so he said i will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets and the lord said you shall persuade him and also prevail go out and do so therefore look the lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours and the lord has declared disaster against you now Hezekiah, the, okay, so, um, of course, Hezekiah, the son of Shanana, went near and struck Micaiah, slapped him, and said, which way did the Lord pass from me to come to you? Since when did you start, you know, speaking and hearing God, yes. And then, of course, um, we, I don't know if you know the story. If you don't know it, please read, read the story. But Micaiah told him that if you come back, then the Lord has not spoken through me. And he actually died in that battle now you know when i look at it i see how merciful god is because even though the bible says god wanted to kill ahab but he still allowed micaiah to tell him the truth that he was going to die so giving him an opportunity to repent that's how good our god is believe you me if i were the one who wanted to kill somebody i will never i will even make sure my real prophet even lies to him so that he can die but god in his mercy Still wanted to save him. Remember the, when um, Elijah too prophesied? I'm, I'm trying to remember which one. And then he repented when he told him how he was going to die. He repented in sackcloth and ashes. And God said, oh, see how he's repenting. Oh, he's, how remorseful he is. Okay, okay, okay. Let it not happen to him. Maybe in the time of his son. God is a merciful God. So he always sends his truth to us. And the reason he sends his truth is so that we can hear him and repent. So they don't play to the gallery. They don't tell you, they are not the preachers. The remnant will tell you, thus says the Lord. The way the Lord is saying it, that's how they will tell you. Many times we don't like them because they tell us the truth. And if you want to be part of the remnant, remnant you must be ready to speak the truth at all times. Don't try to, you know, there are people who see you, your dress is ugly, then they will tell you, oh, it's so beautiful. It's a lie. But they want you to feel good. It's better for you not to say anything. Just smile than to say what it's not. Praise the Lord, somebody. When the Lord speaks, you declare the word of God. Remember Jonah. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be no more. He just entered, as soon as he entered the city. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be no more. That was the message the Lord gave him. He ran the first time. Whale swallowed him. God showed him mercy. He came back. He learned that when God speaks, what do you do? You obey. And then he entered. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be no more. What happened? The king heard it. Gathered.
Nobody is people. So everybody, including goats, animals, nobody is eating. We're all fasting. And they repented. And God had mercy on the land. So you will not play to the gallery. You know, while I was watching everything that was going on, I said, hey, Lord, why do I not want to come and bring this hard saying? And the Lord said to me, you have it here now. You will not play to the gallery. Whatever he sends you, that's what you will say. So I'm kind of understanding our pastor better now. Praise the Lord. Smile. Praise the Lord. So they minister to an audience of one. They seek the approval of God alone. So once God is pleased with them, they're fulfilled. That's what the remnant do. What's that, your rap? That's how remnant do. Uh-huh. When the Lord speaks, that's what they repeat. Praise the Lord. So they don't preach to make you excited. If in the course of their preaching, if somebody laughs, wonderful. But they preach to make you holy. The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So that's the assignment. They preach to make you holy. Let me tell you, I know. Many times we don't like such preachers. But we know we need them. Because we know we need truth in our lives. And you know, when in time to come, we will appreciate them. And we will thank God for them. Because they kept pointing us to Christ. While, you know, the lying spirit was trying to deceive the crowd. You were singing standout. That's who the remnant is. Who they are. They stand out. They themselves, they don't have itchy ears. Let me read you a scripture that I read in a different um, translation. First um, Timothy chapter 4. Let's read it. The remnant, they endure sound doctrine. Um, okay, let's read from verse 1 to maybe 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of Demons, you mentioned it. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a, with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing. Okay, I'm interested in verse. Um, um, I believe verse five. Let's see verse five. Uh, do I? Let me see if I have the wrong one. If it's. Uh, is it first? Or, no, sorry, second. Sorry, it's second Timothy. Second, not, not first. Second Timothy. Let's look at four and five. Second Timothy. Aha. Uh-huh. Back up a little bit. Go to four. Okay, here. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have what? Here, that used to, to tickle. <laughs> they will heap up for themselves, teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Before you go to five, let's look at a different um, translation. Maybe NLT from verse three, please. Okay, we'll look at NLT, then maybe we'll look at TPT as well. It says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after me. Please look, um, go to TPT or message or, okay. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth. Because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires. Saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth. And believe nothing but fables and myth. Please go to Isaiah 30 verse 9. Let's see this. Also in TPT or message. It says that this is a rebellious people. Lying because this is a rebel generation. A people who lie. A people unwilling to listen to anything God tells them. They tell their spiritual leaders. Don't bother us with irrelevances. They tell their preachers, don't waste our time on impracticalities. Tell us what makes us feel better. Don't bore us with obsolete religion. That stuff means nothing to us. Quit hounding us with the holy of Israel. Please, let me see NLT from verse 9. 
that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. But remember the Bible says narrow is the what? Is the way. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your holy one of Israel. So the remnant endures sound doctrine. Verse 5. Go to, no, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at verse, verse 5. Where it says be watchful. It says, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You must be watchful. If you want to be part of the remnant, you have to be watchful. It's not every gathering that is for you. Not every gathering. It doesn't matter what is happening there. They are sharing millions. It's not for you. Not every, you must be spirit led. The Holy Spirit must lead you to everywhere that you go to and everyone that you listen to. Because believe me, children of God, we have itchy ears. Everybody likes to hear what makes them happy. And that's the truth. But sometimes what makes you happy is not good for you. There's a lady in our church who was sharing one day. She told us of her friend who, whenever she does something wrong, she will buy her Coke. That is she now will buy Coke for that friend and meat pie. And as that one is eating her meat pie and drinking the Coke that this friend bought, she's telling her that thing you did is nonsense. And you're now wondering, you're eating my meat pie. You're drinking my Coke and you are still able to. Those are the kind of people you need around you who will eat your money and still speak truth to you praise the lord you chose the theme my own is to receive the word i share <laughs> praise the lord mm-hmm. thank you for the encouragement but whether, whether or not whether or not eh we'll keep going because i don't want god to flog me afterwards right praise the lord so the remnant endure sound doctrine. They would rather hear truth than lies. They don't conform. They stand out. They're like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Babylon. These were young men. They were um, slaves in a foreign land. But they stood for God. They refused to bow their knees. And I like the account, you know, when they said, at the sound of this trumpet bow, they just looked like, mm. they didn't bow. And then they took them to Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't even remember to call him king. They just said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, every other person was saying, king, live forever. Then they just said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Are you understanding that we, even though we are in your, in your country and we are slaves, we are not of this place. We are the remnant. So no matter what you do to us, we cannot bow our knees to bow. They stand for what they believe. They don't fall for just anything. They're distinctive. And I like also that they are excellent. The Bible says in Psalm 16 verse 3. It says the saints on on earth. They are the excellent ones. So that when these ones were tested. They were found to be 10 times better. You know the test was not just about them eating vegetables. And looking more handsome than the other people. Even in skill. They were better. In the task that they were assigned, they came out 10 times better. So, as one who is a remnant, we don't have any excuse. You know why? Because the spirit of God is in us. The Bible says that there's an anointing that you and I have received from the Holy One. And that anointing teaches us how many things? All things. So, if you're a student, that anointing will teach you physics, chemistry, biology. Will teach you English language geography if you're in your workplace the anointing will teach you how to be the best staff these guys distinguished themselves we cannot answer remnants and then we go in the office we're the ones that create problems for the you know for you know our organizations we must be those ones that if anything goes wrong they will say call sister susan just like the queen mother said concerning Daniel. He said, ah, why are you troubled? Send for Daniel. In him is the spirit of the holy God. May that be your portion. In the name of Jesus. May that be your testimony. 
that you will be that one who solves problems in your office that one who adds value in your office you will be that one who arrives on time when you should be in the office you're in the office so you're not using your office time to do private business the lord will help us in the name of jesus they are those who have made a commitment to live for christ they are faithful to jesus in every season pastor teaching us last week said faith works in every season when you don't have you believe god faith like apostle paul right when you have you're in faith nothing shakes you nothing moves you you can't say today i'm not happy i'm not you know do i'm not serving god because he didn't give me one thing that i asked for no if you are a person of faith then your faith must work in every season because faith is in who am i alone faith is in has god changed so god remains god and god remains good and it's all the time so faith will work in every season of our lives praise the lord and so we must also be faithful to him galatians 2 verse 20 i said there are those who have made a commitment to live for christ galatians 2 verse 20 it says i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but who lives in me Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the hallelujah so um, when I looked at it I said these people you can't tempt them with anything because they're already dead I think it was that who told us about a man that a lady so on was doing like this for and the man said, looked at her and said ah. and they were saying hello he said you're talking to a dead man and she ran thinking she was talking to a ghost but what he meant was that i've already see this life i'm living it's not my own so no matter how you touch me nothing is going to stand i'm already dead because i want us to understand that being a remnant is not as they say moi moi it's not all but we thank god for grace right these are dead people walking about you can't tempt them with money. You can't tempt them with women or men. You can't tempt them with anything. Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is what? Such a person, what do you want to tempt him with? You're not popular. You say, I'm dead. I don't know. I have nothing about popularity. How many followers do you have on social media? You say, hey, is there social media? How many people came to your church? You say, ah, which church? I don't have a church. They're already dead. There's nothing you can, you can't harass them with anything. You can't tempt them with anything. Everybody is getting married. They say, hey, okay. And what's happening to you? You're almost 40. They say, hey, they are dead. There's nothing bothers them. As far as they're concerned, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. If you're living, you're just living for Christ. And then when you die, why is it gain? Because you are now your uh, you, pastor said you receive your reward you are spending eternity with him because we need to understand one thing i do these days is whenever there's a theme i don't just look at for me personally i don't think whether it's the queens or any kingdom ladies i'm not just thinking about the activities activities are powerful and they minister but i don't just think about them i immediately tell myself god is trying to say something to me because it's not just a theme it's something that he wants to happen in my life it's not for entertainment thank you the lady one of the uh, um, compares who, who stood here and told us that we are not here to they are not here to entertain us it's serious business do you know what it means to be you know a remnant do you know what it means you know when everybody is going in a different direction and you're the only one standing can you imagine what elijah felt that made him say in fact i'm tired they have killed everybody i'm I alone I'm left. Do you know what it means to be a lone voice? Do you know what it means when you're in your community and things are happening and everybody's going out and doing things, coming up, coming back with guys, and you're the only one who stays in your room and you say, I'm not going because God has, has not said go out. Do you know what it means? It's serious business. Personally, I've been praying because I said, Lord, why is this thing hanging on me? Why didn't you give pastor this message to preach? I don't, I'm not qualified. And then I heard that he qualifies the unqualified. Praise the Lord. 
Philippians 1.21, I already mentioned it, but I like the ERV. It says, to me, the only important thing about living is Christ. And even death will be for my benefit. Be for my benefit because I know where I'm going. So I'm not afraid. That's what Apostle Paul was saying. So their passion, their ambition, everything about them is Christ. Paul stood and told them, he said, for I determined not to know anything eh, among you, except Christ and him what? That's the level you're going to. Praise the Lord. There's nothing else you're interested in. He just wanted to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. If it's not the way of the cross, he's not interested. Because the way of the cross is that you first die before you can ascend. The Bible says that he who ascended first descended. So you cannot just jump out from nowhere and you begin to ascend. It doesn't happen with Christ. Maybe in the world it will happen. But in Christ, you go down first before you can go up. Because the one who is our example, he first descended and then he ascended. And you cannot be greater than your master. Praise the Lord. So that's the way up. And I like that scripture. That the remnant, they will take root downwards and then they will grow upwards. You need to understand that downward movement. Because if you don't go down, you will be like Matthew um, 13. The seed that fell on stony ground. Because it did, there was no, it didn't have death. Immediately, one challenge or the other came. Or in fact, even before anything said, even the birds of the air will just come and take. Before you even turn your back, they've taken whatever it is that you received. So that's the way up. The way down is the way up. So you go down. You take root downwards. You're firmly established. And then you can begin to rise. Praise the Lord. That's why Paul didn't want to know anything. He said, don't tell me any other thing. The only way is this way. It's the way of Christ. Christ and him crucified. He was crucified first. And then he, was, he, he died. And then he was buried and then you begin to understand the power of his resurrection. And then that tells you that for you to amount to anything in the kingdom of God, that's the way to go. So you're going down first and then you go up. Praise the Lord. So that also now teaches you humility. Because if you're not humble, God says he resists the proud. And dad told us some time ago, he said, it's, can you imagine what it means for God to resist someone? If a fellow human being resists you, what's your own? Yeah, they're resisting you, then you go face another direction. When the resistance comes from God, ah, my hand is not there. Praise the Lord. They don't give in to peer pressure. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10. In the Passion Translation, it says, when peer pressure compels you to go with the crowd and sinners invite you to join in, you must simply say, no can we echo it you must simply say you must simply say you don't need to explain you don't need to explain to them why you're saying no like a lady that somebody told something i think she was i don't know what she was doing with a young man and the man said come on let me hold them he said no in my church they say we should not kiss in my church they say we should not just say ah in your church so if you go to a church where they say you should kiss what will you do you will kiss now because your conviction is based on, based on in my church. But if you know from scripture that you are not supposed to, whether you go to Sele or you go to Catholic or Anglican church, you know that you're not supposed to go with them, right? You're not supposed to do whatever because the word of God says so. You don't need to give any explanation. When you're standing on God's word and somebody comes to try to divert your attention or to derail you, you simply say what? Praise the Lord. And there's something that is in my heart, so I'll just say it. Remnant, or the remnant, if you're a single person, they don't date. They court. They don't date. Now let me face you people. Are you ready? They don't date. They court. Dating hmm, is like somebody engaging you without an engagement ring. It's like somebody engaging you without proposing to you. So, the man comes. You're beautiful. And so, I want to take you out. Or well, I'm interested in you. And then he takes you out today. Tomorrow, everybody sees the two of you. Where is the popular place you people go to? Tell me. Tantalize that you are still at that level. 
Where else? Where do you people go to tell me the truth? Eh? Chicken capital. Hey, that's the one. Chicken capital. So he takes you today. Tomorrow he takes you. What do you think is happening? Everybody is observing. You're going out with this particular guy. There must be something. And then one correct man that God has reserved for you is in one corner watching you and thinks you're already engaged. This guy is not saying anything, but he's taking you out. You two are enjoying. The others are, nobody's talking to them. They're talking to me. And then you follow him and go. He has not proposed to you. He has not given you an engagement ring, but he has engaged you. And so no other person can see you. And then for the young men, go and borrow some sense from Isaac. Do you know where Isaac was when they brought his wife? He was in the field. What was he doing? He was meditating. In Genesis chapter 24, he, um, sorry, Abraham sent his servants in search of a wife for his son Isaac. And what did he do? Do you think he was saying, the girl with figure eight, straight legs, Brazilian hair, that's pointed nose, thank you, red lipstick, high, heel, high heels, let her be, no. He said, Lord, as I stand by this well, the young lady who comes and I ask her for water and she gives me and she offers to give to my camels, my animals, let her be the one. But he was not, Isaac was not there. He had enough faith that if he continued to pray, God will arrange the right person for him. So God did it. And it happened just as, we all believe it's Eliezer, even the, Bible, even the scripture doesn't say, because this is the eldest, um, yes, Eliezer, but the Bible didn't mention the name. But we know that he's the oldest servant that Abraham had. So it happened just as he prayed, right? And the girl came, Rebecca, it was Rebecca, right? And all that happened. And then when they took Rebecca, of course, Laban, being the immediately saw the nose drink, saw the gold, gold bracelet. He said, ah, I need to meet this man. And then went, met him. And to cut a long story short, they took Rebecca. They asked Rebecca, do you want to go? She said, yes. When she met Isaac, she asked Eliezer, who is that person? And he said, that's my Lord's... Um, son she came down from the from the from the donkey or the camel and then she took a veil and she covered her face young ladies why do you think she covered her face she was protecting herself it's not when a man says he wants to marry you that's not the time to say we're already engaged let me open up the bible says that he took her into his mother's tent and then she became his wife and then he knew her. Praise the Lord. Young men, listen. That money that you are using, listen to me now. That money that you are using to take them on dates. Do you know you can save the money? So that when you marry, you can date your wife. Save it. And use it to date your wife. Because you will finish it on young girls that are not interested in you. Let me tell you, we have been there, we have done that. There was a man that chased me. God, please forgive me. I used to call him Mumu. Come and pick me from Portacot. I want to go to Anisha to visit my parents. He will drive from whichever state he was. Mr. Anita, the car, balanced. Not interested in him. Wasting his money. Wise up. Did I marry him? No. Did I have plans for marrying him? No. Was he wise? He was foolish. Wasting his money. And that's what some of you are, are doing. Wasting your money on someone that you did not even spend time. You're supposed to spend time on your knees praying and asking God. Like that we always say. If you meet a lady, go back home and ask, did I meet my wife today? If God said you didn't meet your wife, please just be facing another direction. You will not pray. It's like, I like her smile. Though. Can I take you out? She says, I don't mind. She's not interested in you. Don't waste your money. Plan. Save. Pray. When God brings your wife, somebody 
called me, my friend in America, and told me the son said, very good looking boy. He said, mom, I don't want to do anything with anybody. I just want to date my wife. That's a wise boy. That's a wise son who will make any parent happy. Stop wasting your money, guys. That's why you've not rented a house. That's why you've not bought a car. Because you're busy taking girls out. Calculate all that money that you're using to impress. After today, people won't love me again, right? Praise the Lord. The remnant. They don't cast their pearls before swine. They don't give what is holy to dogs. Even if he's engaged to you. Or you're engaged to him. It's a no-no. Maybe we're almost married. We're almost getting married. It's okay now. We've already gone. We've seen my parents. You've not heard of broken courtships. Then the next thing they will tell you is the near success syndrome. It's a lie. It's you that went to sleep with him. <laughs> this is not the second. This is not the first time that he wanted to. And then they, they, what did you do? Because if you did not open up, the man would have still been imagining. One of my peers, when she goes, she's not... I mean, God has blessed me with amazing peers. Praise the Lord. Please, somebody put your hands together for my hadith. But she's not the one I'm talking about now. There's this PA I had. This girl, before she got married, they had set a date. In fact, I can never forget her wedding year's date. Because it was like a song that they were singing all the time around me. As she's passing, the fiancé would just come and whisper in her ear. 19th night. And then she'd be like, leave me. I said, what is it? Say, mom, see what he said. I said, what is it? He said, 19th night. That's their wedding day. Meaning, you go share that night. It will happen. 19th night. That thing that I've been waiting for. 19th night. When he has seen, he has gone to Jerusalem. He has traveled to, through Samaria. He has uh, seen uh, um, uh, Judah. It's on your wedding day. As people are rushing to leave. So that the couple can now go on their honeymoon. Which honeymoon? He has been inside that moon since. He's not in a hurry. Let's go. No, where are you people going now? Let's just dance. When you see them dancing like that non-stop, they have been visiting. <laughs> because if he has never visited, he will leave everybody there. My wife, oh yeah. 19th. In fact, on that day, he started saying 19th afternoon. Yes. He said 19th afternoon. Oh. He said, what's the time? What? Because he has not visited. He has not seen it. He's in a hurry to see it. Because now he has said, I do. And you have to do. So, yeah. It's for your own good. That's how remnant. And that's what we're looking at. They are God waiters. They act based on convictions. They are different. They don't follow the crowd. They follow the voice of the spirit. And the last one, they are empowered by grace. Praise the Lord. Somebody say they're empowered by grace. Now go back to Romans eleven five, where we started and give me the passion translation. It says, and that is but one example of what God is doing in this age of fulfillment. For God's grace empowers his no, you're not with me. Let's read it together. Praise the Lord. And so shall his grace empower you. And empower you and empower you and empower us. In the name of Jesus Christ. You know the beautiful thing about grace. Because there are some things that you hear in scripture. Or some examples that you see. And then you look at yourself and you feel so unqualified. But for grace. Grace. As they say, it's an unmerited favor. It's a divine enablement. So all that we've talked about, you can do by the grace of God. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the time of Daniel, as fantastic as it was and as relevant as it is, you know, even in this present time, you cannot compare it to this dispensation of grace. That we have found ourselves in. Because that is where we are. So whereas Daniel purposed in his heart. That he will not defy himself. Defile himself. With a portion of the king's delicacies. Looking at this scripture. No I don't, don't go to Daniel. Stay in Romans 11.5. 5. 
in the TPT. Thank you. He purposed in his heart and grace was supplied. But the beautiful thing about those of us in this dispensation is that grace was given to us in advance. So the Bible begins to say that by grace we have been saved through faith and not of works lest any man should boast. The only part of it that God wants you and I to bring to the table is our faith. Jesus looked at the two blind men who ran after him and they were called Lord, Lord and then he looked at them. They were asking for mercy and Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? So today I ask a question because I already asked myself that question. Do you believe that you can be numbered among the, the remnant? Do you believe? Because if you believe, then all things the Bible says are possible to them who believe. If you believe, then God will do the rest. In the times that we're in, it's like sin is, is almost taking over. But the Bible says that where sin abounds, what happens? How does grace abound? Much more than the sin that is prevalent. Okay? So there is much more grace for anybody who wants to be part of this, of the remnant. So it's not now about what you are able to do. But what about the, but about what the grace of God empowers you to become. So we're going to be closing now. But I want us to, as many as, as want to be part of the remnant that God has reserved, you know, for himself. That he will use to turn our nation around and turn the nations of the world around. If in your heart you believe that the spirit of God is staring you. Because honestly, I wish, you know, everyone would say yes. I don't want to say I know. I pray. Because that's the heart of God. If he's going to save our nation, he needs you and he needs me. And all he needs from us is our faith. It's just for us to open up our hearts and say, Lord, we are willing. You can use us. The songwriter sang, he says, you can use anything, Lord. You can use me. If God spoke through an ass, an animal, you are better than an animal. You and I are made in his image according to his likeness, then he wants to use you today. But you have to say yes to him. That's the only way. If you don't say yes to him, God will never force his will on you. But what he does, you know, that we've been learning for some time now, is that it is he who works in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he puts that desire in your heart so when the Bible says God grants you the desires of your heart, it's not just what you desire that he gives you, but he gives you what to desire. So you begin to desire to, to come out from among them, like pastors been preaching, and be separate so that the Lord can receive you. You begin to desire to come out of darkness so that your light can shine brightly. And then God supplies the grace. And then you're able to. So I want us to, I don't know if you want to stand, if you want to bow. But as many as want to open up their hearts to the Lord this morning. We've said a few things. Someone may be struggling and it's like that thing that you are into, you feel you can't come out of it. It's too strong. The pool is too strong. But God's grace is stronger. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. I don't know what you've heard this morning. You may not be struggling with anything in particular, but... Your problem is prayerlessness. It's not, you, you find it difficult to pray. And you're struggling in that area. But the remnants are empowered by grace. It's not them. It's the grace of God that is at work within them. I will open up my heart. Ready for your holy fire. Have you?
You've been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. 9 a.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. For telephone, 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.